We are glad to make all of our Jcast Network podcasts free for our listeners. However, they are not free to produce and host. Please consider making a donation to Jcast Network to help support our work by visiting jcastnetwork.org slash donate. Thanks for your support. You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Most of these midrashim were not literary midrashim. They weren't. They weren't uh, first written. It's not like a person sat down and wrote this commentary of the of of, of Genesis. By and large, these are transcriptions or maybe stylized renderings of uh, of of oral homilies, right? Uh, what what someone would do in in synagogue. And I've mentioned a few times that like you know the big entertainment in uh, in ancient Israel or in ancient Babylonia was for you know the sage to get up on Shabbos morning, and you know that the parsha is Brashit, uh, so they're going to be talking about Brashit, uh, but uh, instead of saying this week's Torah portion is Breshit, and it starts with the verse Breshit bara Elohim et Shemayim et Aretz. And what does it mean uh, that uh, you know? W- w- what did God create the world from anyway? Right? Instead of sort of like laying it out at the onset, the the entertainment was you would start with some kind of far flung verse that seems to have no connection with the verse that you're actually studying, and you know, so you start with. Psalms chapter 31, verse 19. And, you know, so the, the, the Midrash is quotes, quotes um, uh, sifte shaker, let the lying lips be dumb. And the rabbi quotes that and you're like, where is he going with this, right? So that's what's happening here. You don't, eventually you see the verse that he's expounding, right? At the bottom, he's expounding, uh, Two verses that are that are not directly connected to each other in Breshit, but are close in proximity. Right, Breshit bara Elohim, that uh, when God began to create, um, and then it, that's a if a, if you remember uh, uh, from uh, previous conversations, it's really sort of a, a continuous sentence. The first few verses of uh, of Genesis, so it starts Breshit bara Elohim at the Shemayim at the Aretz. That uh, when God began to create uh, the heavens and the earth, hold on, I'm pulling it up just so I can uh, make sure to get the, the quote correct. Um, uh, excuse me, so I was incorrect just there. The, the verses that they're talking about are directly connected to each other. It's, it's a continuous sentence, right? So God began to create the heavens and the earth. And when God began to create the heavens and the earth, that the earth was unformed and void. Right, which uh, um, it's sort of plain meaning suggests like kind of chaos and nothingness. Um, so the, those those terms tohu vavohu are actually not self evident in t- terms of what they mean. Um, but anyway, that's what the midrashist is asking here. Is, is, is his real question is about that verse? What does it mean that God created uh, when God began to create the heavens and the earth? The earth was tohu vavohu. Right, that's the that, but he doesn't start there. Right, he starts with with the book of Psalms. So let's go back to the beginning. Any questions about that, or thoughts, or comments about that? Is that clear? What what's happening in this midrash? 
in just not in terms of the specifics of it, but in terms of the structure, right? The, the verse that he wants to understand is that verse, is that verse from Genesis, right? How that, do you know that? How do I know? Well, uh, you know, divine spirit. Yeah. Well, you have because it was the last thing that Harry read. The last thing that Harry read uh, it, it oh, okay. is, right, Rabbi Huna, in the name of Bar Kafra, said, if it were not written, it would be impossible to say it. In the beginning, God created from what? And the earth was empty, right? Right. So the, the, the question that he has about that verse is what? what? Why is that verse troubling to, the, to Rabbi Huna uh, in the name of Bar Kafra? How can you say it was from nothing? It seems to be disrespectful. That's what I think he was saying. Yeah, so that's interesting. Why would he say that that's disrespectful? Why would he say that that... Why is it surprising to him that the world was created from nothing? Because there's God, and that's pretty significant. Because there's not nothing. Mm-hmm. Mm. That was my thought. Okay, interesting, right? So, yeah, that, that's a really good point, right? So uh, how can it be that, that God creates the world from nothing? God is a something, isn't God, right? So that could be what he's talking about here. Yeah. He never explains God. That's true. That's true, right? Where does God come from? Um, that's, a, that's a question that uh, little kids uh, like to ask, and it's a good question, right? Uh, yeah. Um, it's because it's a good question, right? Uh, uh, you know, uh, Right. Um, I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's really interesting in terms of just to take this out of the context of Torah and to think about it uh, in terms of um, contemporary science. So uh, all scientists are a- able to measure, and they're getting, um, you know, very, uh, you know, increasingly uh, they're understanding more and more about the sort of like, you know, trillionth of an instant after the Big Bang, right? So we, we kind of know what the universe was like in the trillionth of an instant after the Big Bang. We can theorize what the universe was like before the Big Bang based on that, but there's but it's impossible to know. And it's also impossible to know like where where the universe comes from that creates the Big Bang in the first place, right? The, 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 the universe that's sort of contained in... Uh, in uh, a, a, p- a particle of an atom, right, uh, before it explodes yeah, into into existence. Day, galaxy, yeah. Right, with with billions of uh, with with giant uh, stars, with billions of giant suns. Yeah. Um, so anyway, you know, so uh, but but we still have this problem of um, of of not knowing like how how or where the universe came into being. Uh, and so there's a, um, you know, uh, Aristotle was not the first, but maybe the most uh, famous uh, person that suggested uh, that, uh, that the universe is eternal, right? That there's actually no such thing as, a, uh, as an origin of the cosmos. In other, in other words, that something had to have been created from nothingness, right? That, that's how, that's the only way that there is a, a, a non-eternal universe, as if at some point nothing became something. Literally nothing became something, right? Um, uh, but scientists can't study that because scientists have to study something. Uh, and, uh, and so even, apparently, uh, religious thinkers have trouble with the idea that, um, that something somehow comes from nothing. And especially if God is a something. Um, 
Although if God is a something, then that has all sorts of other, uh, what? That's trouble. That, that's trouble too, because if God is a something, then why can't I see God or touch God or feel God, right? Idea. That's interesting. Does an idea have mass? Something that electrical has to happen. Right. So yes. So yes, it is. Right. So it is the thing, right? It, well, it has mass because as Einstein showed, right, uh, mass and energy are essentially the same thing. It's just uh, energy is sped up mass. That was what you said it to me. <laughs> right? So that means, right, if God is the equivalent of a, of a thought, right, or an idea, that means that God somehow ha must have mass. Right, okay, fair enough. Um, um, all right, so let's go back uh, and like, kind of look at the steps of this, of this Midrash, okay? So Rabbi Huna said in the name of uh, Bar Kafra, uh, he opened with, right? That's how, I think we've seen this a couple of times, that's the kind of style of these Midrashim, when it, it, Patach, it, it harkens back to that, you know, that, that game that, that they would play in the ancient world. Right? This is what he, he opened with this verse, this surprising verse from the book of Psalms. Te alamna sifte shaker, the gomer. Okay, so uh, let's, we can look at that verse. Uh, Psalms 31, verse 19. Why not? Um, I have it on page 1140 in the JPS. Um, but not in that, J do you have JPS there or Art Scroll? Yeah. So, but you have the Hebrew English, right? So I don't know what page it is in there, but, but if you know how to navigate, you should be able to find it, yeah. Um, but in the English only, it's 1140. <clears throat> it says, um, uh, O Lord, let me not be disappointed when I call you. Let the wicked be disappointed. Let them be silenced in Sheol. Let lying lips be stilled that speak haughtily against the righteous with arrogance and contempt. Okay, so he's starting with this verse, and he's saying, um, uh, you know, let, let people who are talking smack against the righteous shut up, is basically what he says, right? That's, right? And so now the audience is like, whoa, you know, who, is he talking to me? Who is he talking to here, right? Um, so, so who, we're going to find out who he thinks the lying lips are, uh, that he wants to stop talking, okay? Um, and then we have Ra Rabbi Huna interjecting, okay? So he quotes the verse and he says, let them be bound, made dumb, and silenced, okay? So he says, he's saying um, uh, um, that, um, um, uh, that, that, that when the verse in uh, Psalm says, let them... Uh, be dumb, he uh, or, or like let them stop talking. He's he's now saying that that really means three things, right? He's saying that be dumb means let them be bound, right? Let them be uh, um, like tied up. Let them be made dumb. Let them not be able to speak, and let them be silenced. Okay, um, let them be bound and made dumb. Um, as it's so he's saying, okay. So here, here's uh, here's how I know that the that in the book of Psalms, when it says "let them be dumb," that uh, that it also means let them be bound up. Okay, uh, and so he quotes uh, 
from the book of Exodus, chapter 4, which was this past week's parsha. Uh, This is God at the burning bush. Moses says to God, you know, um, uh, how how could I go speak to Pharaoh? I'm not a person of speech. And, uh, And God says... Um, so God says, and who is it that, uh, makes the, uh, that makes the mute or the deaf or the seeing or the blind? Was it not I, God? And it also says in uh, Genesis chapter 37, this is uh, the Joseph story. Okay, Joseph uh, um, uh, has a dream. Uh, that uh, they're binding sheaves in the field, and uh, and uh, his sheaf uh, rose, uh, and uh, all the other sheaves bowed down to his sheaf. Right. Um, so uh, uh, so the verse is the ma'almim alumim kama alumati. Okay. So uh, um, we were so uh, that's that's how he he says it. it that uh, that being uh, dumb, which is in the uh, Hebrew, uh, in the Psalms, this is all very technical because it's like, it's these are careful readings of the Hebrew. Okay, this is like a midrash on the like actual language. The Hebrew for in the Psalms is te'alamna, um, and so in Exodus you see mi yasum ilame, right? So uh, same root, alamna is to be dumb. Uh, in Exodus, Elaim is, a, is a, 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 a mute person. And then in Genesis, you have um, Alumati, right? My, my sheaf, which is bound up, right? So he's saying that Ta'alamna doesn't only mean um, a, 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 a mute person, it also means someone's, like, their lips are tied up together. Right, so not only not only do they are they the, the, they can't like produce the vocal sounds, but even if they could produce the vocal sounds, their lips are shut. Right, so what I think what he's trying to say here is um, these arrogant people who are talking smack about the righteous. You know, not only can should they should God make them unable to to like voice the words, but if they could voice the words, their lips should be sealed. Right, so he's just he's really just saying um, that the that you know. Whoever these arrogant people are, which we know now, having seen the ending of the the Midrash, that the arrogant people are the ones uh, who might say this thing about creation, um, that that what they might say is so bad that God should really seal them up, okay? And not only that, but let them be silenced, okay? uh, which is again on a uh, part of the right. So the the verse in in Psalm says, "Let lying lips be stilled, be stilled, uh, that speak haughtily against the righteous with arrogance and contempt." Um, uh, I need to turn to the Hebrew of that really quickly. Psalms thirty one, and I and I see you in cyberspace that you have uh, comments on this. We'll get to you in a second. Um, um, Okay, so Te alamna sifte shaker hadovrot al tzadik atak begaava vaguz. They should uh, um, they should be um, um, uh, they should be uh, uh, shamed and stilled to the grave in this translation. Is this, is this 
The first two are on the root Aleph, Lam, and Mem. This one is on the word that's in the Psalms, Atak, which is Ein, Tav, Kuf. That one didn't start with uh, Yeah, it's a different one. Right? So, the, so the psalmist says two things. It says, um, uh, let, let, their, uh, let their lips be stilled and uh, let them be, um, uh, how does this translate it? Um, let them be... Um, Mm-hmm. Um, let them be stilled. Let them be stilled. Um, which song, which, which quote is that one? Um, yeah, so um, he's quoting from... Um, so the verse is, Ta'alamna sifte shaker hadovrot al tzadik. Atak begaava vavuz. Okay, so ta'alamna is the is with the root aleph lamed mem, right? Which uh, the art scroll translates as um, uh, be silenced. Sifte shaker shaker is uh, lying lips. So ta'alamna uh, uh, be silenced lying lips. Hadovrot al tzadik, which speak uh, which speak against the righteous. Um, uh, Atak begaava vavuz. So it actually doesn't give. Uh, um, oh, I see. Hadavrut al tzadik atak begaava vavuz. So it is translating atak here as, or Rabbi Huna in the name of Bar Kapra is translating atak as um, as as they should be silenced. So they should be silenced in their haughtiness and, and embarrassment, or something like that, um, if I'm reading it a little bit more literally. Um, and so now he's saying that this other word, atak, shehe'etik bivriotav, um, right, that, uh, that, that he should be, um, that he should be uh, silenced in, uh, in, his, uh, in, 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 in his being. Um, well, the atak and the Yes. Yeah. Uh, well, so it's it. Atak is the word from uh, from uh, from Psalms, and shehe'etik bivriotav is Rabbi Huna's interpretation of it, right? So atak shehe'etik bivriotav, right? So um, uh, a silence that he should be that he should be stilled in his in his being. Right, uh, that's that's sort of how I'm translating. I'm not sure if that's a great translation, but that's more or less, I think, the sense of it. Basically, what he, he's the, uh, the, that midrash there is sort of like a sub midrash of the entire midrash. So I don't want to get too <coughs> caught up in. No, no, it's okay. I don't get too caught up. Basically, what he's saying is um, that uh, that that this arrogant person that the Psalms is talking about, God, we want God to like really shut them up. No love for them, right? Um, what? Too much chutzpah. Too much chutzpah. <laughs> or as, uh, as some politicians call it, chutzpah. Um, that did happen. <laughs> uh, um, <laughs> I won't name names. Um, uh, but, uh, um, okay. Uh, and then, okay, now we're getting into the real thing, okay? Bega'ava. Okay, that's also in, the, in this so verse. <laughs> they were in the. We were in the, we were in the, the no, no, no. We, it's not that you hijacked it. It's, 
it's you can get you can get caught up in this, but he's. What all he's doing here? He's sort of like setting up the drama of it, right? The drama of it is the Book of Psalms says arrogant people should be shut up by God, right? Or like it's a prayer, right? God, please let the arrogant people be shut up, you know. And so he's starting with how much should they be shut up? And he's saying they should be really shut up, okay? No. Now, Right, right, right. Don't. <laughs> um, what, it's, a, it's a really good trick, right? I should start my sermons with that. You know, um, don't question what I'm about to say. Um, so, uh, um, and then he says, Bega'ava, okay? Now he's getting, so um, uh, the, uh, the arrogant, okay? Bega'ava, um, um, uh, with arrogance. Um, On matters he has hidden from his creatures. Okay, so this, the parentheses here is not actually in the Hebrew. This is just trying to help us explain the midrashic move here. The word arrogant is similar to hidden. Um, not really sure why they might say that, but okay. Uh, hidden is is um, is uh, is usually the 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 root samech uh, tav resh, like Esther, right? Um, uh, which is yeah, the queen. Uh, imagine the fainting couches over there because I'm about to say Esther may not have actually exist because you know the point is that she's a character called hidden right because her character is a person that's hidden in the story right so okay fainting couch okay uh, Harry what did you want to say so anyway what I want to say is I'm not sure why the they say here Gaava is a similar route to hidden but yeah go ahead well it seems like we we're now past creation why is it that he has hidden from his creatures, which obviously somebody somebody made them, you know. Right. Um, and, and the phrase "life of all worlds" is kind of interesting to me. I mean, I, I see where somebody's spreading the word "God." The life of all. Worlds. Sorry, where are you? Where are you looking here? The second, the second line. Yeah. Is that, um, that an illusion or a reference to the fact that God's the source of life? Um, I see. Okay, sorry. The Hebrew is not exactly lined up with the English here. So, um, okay. Um, no, no, no. You're good. Um, but I don't understand your question. It's just the, the phrase "life of all worlds" is a little. I, I'm not sure what's meant by that. I mean, I see what yeah. somebody has put in parentheses. Right. Um, yeah. Well. So. so Chayol Amim, the, the life of all worlds, is, I think, the, the reason it's in parentheses as God is because um, the, that's often a euphemism for God, right? Um, uh, Chayol Amim, by the way, doesn't necessarily mean life of all worlds. It could mean eternal life, right? Or, um, right so Olam in Hebrew uh, is sometimes talking about space and sometimes talking about time. Um, you know, so we're like, so you probably have heard the phrase uh, in Hebrew, le Olam va'ed. Right, uh, which means forever and ever. Um, uh, so it could mean uh, it could mean like you know uh, uh, life eternal or life of all the worlds. But basically, it's it's referring to God, right? God is the creator of the universe, right? Um, and so when it says, if you go up, ishtatkan, um, uh, uh, right? Uh, so they should be silenced. Who should be silenced? Hadovrot al tzadik, those who speak against the righteous. He's defining the righteous here as chai ha'olamim, right? Uh, as not not like a righteous person, 
but God, right? So in other words, when the psalmist says, let those arrogant people who speak against the righteous be silenced, the righteous there doesn't mean Nancy, uh, it means God, right? The preeminent righteousness, right? Um, so another way of thinking about that is uh, let those who speak against righteousness, right? If you, you know, uh, let them be silent. So when it says, Hadovrot al tzadik, chai olami, right? Someone who speaks against the righteous means somebody who speaks against God. Atak sheheetik bivriotav. Okay, so actually I was incorrect when I was reading that before. I apologize. Um, I was uh, off my English translation too. Atak sheheetik bivriotav. So um, uh, uh, arrogantly, it's translating atak as that's that that helps explain why the art scroll translates it as it uh, as it does. So forget what I said a few moments ago, and and here we have atak. Okay, arrogantly, sheheetik bivriotav um, that uh, that that he has hidden it from his creatures. Okay, um, all right. So going back. The psalmist prays that God shuts up the arrogant people who speak against the righteous. Okay? Not only should God shut them up, but God should really shut them up. Who are, uh, uh, who are the righteous that they're speaking against? God. Right? God is the righteous that these people are speaking against. Um, uh, uh, um, what's the content of the thing that they are speaking against? Atak sheheetik bivriotav. They're speaking against uh, the things that God has hidden from God's creatures. Okay, so they are talking about things that they actually know nothing about, okay? as sometimes happens with arrogant people. Um, they are talking about things that they know nothing about. Okay, bega'ava, with with pride or with with arrogant and a synonym for arrogance, bega'ava et maha bishvil lehitgaot velomar ani doresh b'maasebereshi. Okay? In pride, they boast and say, I can explain creation. Okay? So, going back one more time, right? Um, uh, all these arrogant people who are, who are uh, uh, speaking badly, uh, they sh- God should shut them up. Or speaking badly against the righteous, God should shut them up. Who's the righteous that they're speaking badly against? God. Um, uh, what's, the, what's the content of the bad things that they're saying? They are... Uh, uh, claiming knowledge of things that they know nothing about, and in particular about the works of creation. Got it? Um, okay, and then there's a little bit more. Vavuz and contempt, right? This is still a part of the verse from Psalms. Vavuz. Et maha mevaze al kvodi. Because they hold God's glory in contempt by doing this. Right? So the way in which they are trying to explain creation minimizes the glory of God in God's role in creation. Okay? Now we're going to go a, a, a layer deeper. So that, that still doesn't necessarily tell us what, you know, what exactly they're saying that's, that's, that's so troubling or so challenging. Um, so give me one second. I uh, had, let's see, um, a couple of people um, asked questions. Um, Carol Rose said, can it be that language isn't subtle enough to hold the experience of the divine? 
that finite tools, even language, cannot contain the experience of the whole. I think that might have been uh, based off of the conversation we were having previously about, you know, uh, um, is God a something or not? Um, but I also think it, it relates to this whole concept that the Midrash is talking about. In other words, um, there are aspects of creation that we can know nothing about, and any claim to know something about is in itself arrogance and diminishing of God's greatness. Um, so what I don't think this is saying is that, um, uh, that, that humans should give up all uh, attempts to try to understand more. Right? This isn't saying, you know, just like take everything on faith. But what it is saying is have some humility in what is within human capacity to know and what's not within the human capacity to know. And I think one of those things, uh, and I, I think that the, the best scientists would admit this, right, uh, is that it's impossible to know what was before the Big Bang because we can only measure those things that are um, uh, observable and, uh, and, and predictable and replicable, right? We can, we can really only study those things that, that, uh, that, that you can not see literally, but, but that, you can, um, that you can quantify, that you can observe. So, um, uh, so that means that anything that existed before there, was a, before there was what there is, is impossible to know or understand. So I think that, um, uh, that that ought to give us, that's one of the major areas, like one of the frontiers of science, but my guess is that, um, that if, the, if there is something known about that, um, it will not be in our lifetime, it may never exist. Um, the other frontier of science uh, is, um, has to do with biology, for whatever it's worth, you know, so it's like um, uh, how exactly certain mutations happen, um, and why is it that, um, that evolution functions in such a way that uh, makes, um, uh, that, that, that enables uh, certain uh, mutations to be, um, like, for all sakes and purposes, the correct ones, right? In other words, you know, like, um, why do I have an arm where an arm is and a leg where a leg is? Um, that sort of thing. Why do our genes work that way? Um, but anyways, my point in all that is, is I think precisely what this midrash is saying is that there are, there are certain things that, that to presume to speak on them and to know them is, is uh, in itself arrogance and diminishing of God's greatness because God is operating in a realm beyond human comprehension. So we're just saying accept it and move on. More or less, yeah. That's what he's saying. Yeah. Um, but what, I, but what I wanted to caution about that is um, I, I don't think it's saying accept everything and never think about it and, and just move on. I think it's saying just be careful uh, and humble, right? So I, I don't think it's saying don't study astrophysics, right? Um, I, you know, I just want to be careful about that because I think that there are some who would look at this uh, or, or look at ideas like this and say, um, and say what this means is that humans shouldn't think about or talk about this at all. Um, and all I think it's saying is be cautious and humble when you talk about this, right? Don't presume to know more than you know or, or more than it's maybe possible to know. Recognize the limitations of, of what, it's, what is possible to know. Um, okay, now Rabbi Yossi Bar Hanina said... 
<clears throat> one who honors oneself at the expense of one's friend has no share in the world to come, how much more so with the honor of God. You see where I am in the, frankly, I'm in the, uh, in, in the Midrash now, back in the Midrash. Yeah, in the papers, yeah. So it's, uh, this is now page seven, so it's, um, right, the seventh line down, the, the page that starts with the phrase, which speak against the righteous. Um, so a few lines down, right, we're just continuing the same uh, idea, right? As Rabbi Yossi Barchanina said, so this is just sort of um, adding more uh, color to the, to the Midrash here. Midrash is saying, you know, um, uh, arrogant people uh, shouldn't speak, you know, people shouldn't speak about what they can't possibly comprehend uh, because doing so diminishes God's glory. As Rabbi Yossi Barchanina said, so this is sort of like a proof text, um, one who honors oneself at the expense of one's friend has no share in the world to come, how much more so with the honor of God, right? In other words, if you build yourself up by putting other people down, right? If you exalt yourself by diminishing others, you, have, you, you can't get into heaven if you do that. Oh, in other words, you're not only diminishing, you're just diminishing God and others and diminishing yourself. Right, right. So, so he's saying, you know, uh, if you do that, if I did that with, you know, if I get no share in the world to come, if I were to build myself up by putting you down, how much the more so if I were to uh, build myself up by putting God down? Say, so like, I'm smarter than God, right? I could tell you exactly how creation happened. Right. Um, so this is the chutzpah midrash. Right. This is the chutzpah midrash. <laughs> but listen, I you know not to put like you know I don't want to I don't want to put too fine a point on this, but I but I really think that that like that teaching of Rabbi Yossi Bar is worth lingering on in in our time. <laughs> um, um, but it's you know you but you don't have to look to Washington to see this, and I think that's something that 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 there are those what's that. To my teenagers, I could put it, bring it to me. I mean, you know, I, I'm guilty of this if I'm honest with myself too. You know that uh, that we often try to um, uh, elevate ourselves by diminishing others. You know, I think it's a, it's just a human thing. Um, it's it's something to you know. There's obviously very brazen examples of this in our time, but um, uh, but but it's just you know just worth to note that uh, that. Um, that the you know the, the rabbis are already teaching about this in very strong language, um, yeah, um, right. And how much the more so with the honor of God. And it's okay. So okay. So that's sort of an aside proof text. Um, and it says afterward. Okay. So the next verse in in Psalms, which is Ma Rav Tuvcha Asher Tzafanta Lirecha Pa'alta Lachosimbach Neged Bnei Adam. Um, how abundant is the good that you have in store for those who fear you, that you do in the full view of men for those who take refuge in you. Right? So in other words, it's sort of the opposite of the previous thing. Right? Um, uh, uh, God, we want you to, to despise those who, who, who arrogantly speak up against you, uh, but do good for, uh, for those who fear you. Okay? Um, those who... Uh, so in the, the translation that you have here of that psalm is, how abundant is your goodness that you have laid up for those who fear you? <laughs> those who fear you and not for those who hold your awe in contempt, right? So that's just sort of underscoring what I just said, right? That the verse, verse 20 of that psalm is trying to uh, be a counterpoint to what's in verse 19. Okay, and now it's trying to hit home the idea. When a king builds a palace in a, in a place of sewers, 
dunghills, and garbage. Everyone who says this palace is built on sewers, dunghills, and garbage discredits it. Okay, right? So you know, uh, like if I if if you ask me about Manhattan and I said. Um, oh, yeah, Manhattan, that's the island with all those buildings that are built on top of a bunch of trash, right? And that's what I tell you about Manhattan. I'm not speaking very fondly of Manhattan, uh, even though that might be true, right? Um, because part of Manhattan is landfill and that sort of thing, right? Um, uh, landfill isn't exactly trash, but you get my point, right? Um, and it may be true of Manhattan, but in any event, uh, um, right? I'm not speaking, I, I could say, ooh, Manhattan is the city that never sleeps. Manhattan is the place of these beautiful buildings, uh, you know, inconceivable to ancient man, right? I could talk about the, the glory of the, of the skyline of Manhattan, but instead I talk about, you know, the fact that it was built on a bunch of trash, right? Um, or that it, was, that it was, you know, built on land that was essentially stolen from the native, right? Yeah, I could talk about, right? So, okay, that's, that's sort of a disparaging comment about Manhattan. Um, so too, everyone who says the universe was created from nothingness discredits it. Right. So if I were to say that the universe was created from nothing, the universe was created from chaos, according to Rabbi Huna, that would be a disparaging comment about the universe. Right. Now, I, it, that's actually I, I think that that's a, a, an in, an interesting assertion that he makes. I'm not positive that I agree with him. Right. I actually think that there's something glorious about the idea that that the universe uh, was created from nothing. Right. If that if that indeed is the case, which we honestly don't know and can't prove one way or the other. Um, there are philosophers who say it's whatever. Um, but, uh, but I don't know, you, I think you could make the argument that it's actually um, a real credit to God to be able to say. And a lot of philosophers, you know, Maimonides would say, you know, what, in, in some ways what makes God God is God's ability to create something from nothing. Yeah, well, I think part of it is that not the the notion of nothing is beyond the human capacity to comprehend, right? Because we yeah. uh, we we don't we we have a bias of the near. We don't we, we we can't we we really can't comprehend something that's like way outside of our realm of experience. We live in a world of something, right? So it's impossible to comprehend nothing. But that that I think proves my point. Like it strikes me that to say then that the universe was created from nothing elevates the status of the universe and elevates the status of God, right? If God can do that, something so beyond human comprehension, that makes God really great and the universe really miraculous. <laughs> I understand, right? So the, the, I guess the question then goes back, to your, right, goes back to your question of whether God is a thing or not. That there was no matter, and then all of a sudden there was matter. Yeah, if that's the something we're talking, we don't have the, I don't have the words. Yeah, I, I well, I think that that's part of the thing is is we don't have words. Uh, we need lots of maybe or LSD or something. No, um, no, yeah. The whole um, discussion would be elevated by. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, listen, I mean the. There's there's a, there's a reason that uh, that there there you know there were 
you know, communities of people, there probably still are communities of people that, that, you know, that, that assert that it's impossible to understand God and have a mystical experience without, um, without a psychedelic drug, right? Um, because we have to transcend the, like, normal consciousness that we have. I can't speak with any intelligence about that. Um, <laughs> Uh, maybe my mother-in-law can. I don't want um, to, in, in terms of like the, the hearsay, um, but <laughs> what she's heard from people. But um, no, but you know, because because uh, you know, it's 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 incredibly hard, maybe impossible to sort of to in in normal uh, discourse to get beyond our our consciousness. What's trippy to me is the fact that you know, um, contemporary astrophysics and, and cosmology suggest that um, some ridiculously high percentage of uh, of everything that exists are substances that we actually have no idea about right, right? dark energy and dark matter um uh so there, there are forces in the universe uh that uh, that that are helping to organize uh um uh existence into being for lack of a better you know way of using the term but we have no idea what they are or how they work right um Yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, one of the late night shows the other night, that, uh, the the head of the planetarium in New York, oh, yeah, Neil, Neil Neil deGrasse Tyson. Uh, I, I I caught the the tail of what he said. And correct me if I'm wrong, but I, he was asked what keeps him up at night, and he said what keeps me up at night. And I, this is what I think he was saying. I think he was saying that the universe is constantly expanding. Where we are now is not where we're going to be in the future because things are constantly moving away from each other. And when he says he worries about it, is there's going to be a point where we are no longer able to see what came before. Is that what it was? No, I think I swept it. What does he mean by that? In other words, we're not, there'll be a point in time where we will no longer be able, now we can see what the what came before by seeing, by getting farther out in space, and we're seeing the light that's coming toward us from the past. It was created a long time ago. He said at some point, that's all gonna pass us. What's behind it, if anything? He says, and if there's nothing behind it, what happens to us? And that's what keeps me up. Yeah. 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 That gets to the nothingness. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, where that also just took me is um, is to the you guys might remember this I'm not sure if everybody else does uh, there's a, a, a book and then a movie called The Never Ending Story and uh, and, and, and yeah Falcor um, and uh, but the but you guys know what like what what's happening to um, uh, Fantasia like what like what why like why it needs a savior because of the nothing because it's the nothing is destroying it, um, you know. So it's like it's like sort of like something that is kind of encroaching on it. In other words, we're we're thinking about how our universe came to being from nothing, but but uh, the never-ending story is like in the opposite direction. Is like how our world could end through nothing. That's exactly what Neil deGrasse Tyson is saying. Right? Wow. Um, <laughs> um, so okay. So anyway. So um, uh, so. Uh, so, too, anyone who says the universe was created from nothingness discredits it. Or you would think, one would think that uh, uh, it would discredit it. Rabbi Huna said in the name of, uh, uh, in the name of Bar Kafra said, 
if it were not written, it would be impossible to say it, right? In other words, okay, so we know now that the book of Psalms says, through Midrashic process, the book of Psalms says that, uh, that anybody who suggests that the world was created from nothing uh, is uh, disparaging of God, right? Uh, and so now he gets to the, to the verse. He says, and so that's why it's so surprising that the Torah itself says this, right? If the Torah itself didn't say the following, none of us would be allowed to say it, right? But the Torah itself says that, uh, that, that uh, uh, in the beginning God created. From what? Right? That the world was, uh, uh, was unformed in chaos, or unformed in void is, is uh, often the translation, right? So in other words, the Torah itself says that God, or let me rephrase that. This reading of that verse <laughs> implies that the, I'm not sure that this is the only way of reading the verse, but this reading of that verse implies that, uh, that, that God created the world from nothing. It should be a disparaging comment to God to say that God created the world from nothing because it's the equivalent of saying um, uh, 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 um, that, um, uh, that you built a palace on sewers and dung heaps, right? Um, uh, and so if the Torah didn't say it, we wouldn't be allowed to, to say it ourselves, right? But nevertheless, the Torah says it, so now we know that, uh, that the world was created from nothing. That's fascinating. Yeah. So I guess the, 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 the questions that I'm left with about this Midrash are, one, um, do we agree with uh, Rabbi Huna uh, Bar Kafra, or Rabbi Huna in the name of Bar Kafra, um, that, it, that it is a discredit to God um, to say that the universe was created, or the world was created from nothing. And two, um, it says it was empty and void. Okay. Right. So I agree with you. Right. So so it's a it's it's a questionable it's a questionable midrash because um, you know it already says there aretz haytatovavohu. So there was already an aretz. Right. There was already a thing. Um, uh, uh, so I'm not sure. That I necessarily agree with what with with Bar Kafra's reading of that verse. My thought is that as the the Zon is talking, at, it doesn't focus on right. It's not like there was nothing and that was it, right? It's like God created from nothing, like that, like sidebar. There wasn't anything there, but wasn't what, right. You know, so it's not just like me. I don't know. To me, it's like this is pretty cool since there was nothing, and look at all this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, I you know, I would normally read that verse as like um, it's like when you t- like get a pack when you get like a piece of furniture from IKEA and you like dump out all the stuff, right? That's to- that's haaretzaito vavohu, right? Um, that uh, that that everything was all mixed up and, and chaotic, right? Uh, and and the thing wasn't built yet, right? So that's how I read tohu vavohu, and that makes sense when you say haaretzaito vavohu, right? So. There was matter, like there were things that existed, but it was all sort of like mixed up everywhere, right? Um, yeah, um, I, I wouldn't normally... Now, I might read, if I were to read Breshit bara Elohim, right, that, uh, that in the beginning God created heaven, the heavens and the earth, then I might say what might have existed before that Breshit might have been nothing, right? Um, but that, that would be um, something implied by the text and not 
explicit. Rabbi Huna seems to say that no, it's explicit in the text. God created the world from nothing. It says it right here, Ha'aretz Heta Tov Vavohu. And of course, if Rabbi Huna was able to jump to 2018 and ask that question about nothingness, because that's really what he's talking about, mm-hmm. uh, I guess what we've been saying would blow him away. Because, yeah. Uh, first of all, he wouldn't, he wouldn't know what a thing meant. But <laughs> right. When he was talking about it, I think we more now evaluate was you know right. when you read it and you know. Uh, what was the time frame of this? So I have thirteen. Yes, I'm forty-four. Right. Um, how does art school translate uh, tovavu? Um, it translates it as um, uh, astonishingly empty. It's interesting. Astonishingly empty. Right, it could be, right? We, we sort of, uh, um, I think that ancients reading this text would, uh, would, would have uh, understood it to mean the earth. But to them, the earth was the center of the cosmos, right? So like, and, and all the other things that existed were attached in some way to the earth, right? So they believed in sort of like celestial spheres, and, right? Moderns reading this, uh, ones who sort of like want to, I think, assimilate uh, uh, the Bible into a contemporary worldview um, say, okay, we know now the earth isn't the center of the universe. Not everything is attached to, the, well, I mean, in some ways it's attached, all attached to each other through gravity, but um, it's not like there are these like spheres that are attached to the earth, but rather the earth is, you know, one, you know, sort of uh, a small dot in, 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 a, in a corner of, a, of an uh, expanding uh, cosmos that's much bigger, but if God is God, then God has to be the God of all of that cosmos. Uh, and so therefore, when it says God created the, the world, it's really saying God created the universe. Um, but I think there is another way of saying, of saying uh, this, uh, th- this text is um, agnostic on the question of the universe, or, or, or it's not interested in the question of the creation of the entire universe. Um, it, it's sort of uh, operating from the, this particularity, right? This um, uh, this vantage point, right? Um, and so it's saying maybe there's a universe, maybe there's not. What we're talking about now is um, is the world. But um, if it's just talking about the world, then that makes the notion that God created the world out of nothing much more problematic, right? I can understand saying that God created the universe out of nothing, but the world. The, there was lots in existence when the world came into being already, right? Because because the universe is already a couple billion years old. You know, I don't even know. I'm not an astrophysicist. What? He didn't know that. He didn't know that. Right, Rabbi, Rabbi yeah, Huna didn't know that, right? You, know, you have to take his context. Right. Well, and maybe that's why this is so hard for us to work through, because it's a different, we have a totally different understanding of, of what's out there, you know? Mm-hmm. And so, like, when he read it, Maybe he was like, okay, yeah, this is the world. Us, all of that is all right here, and now we know there's more than Earth. Right. Maybe. Hmm. Maybe. Um, okay. Uh, I think we need to uh, stop here. Um, but just uh, before we do, just a couple of quick comments from, uh, from out there. Cultures talk about God as God is this, and God is this, and God is this, or God is not this, and not this, and not this. Um, 
Oh, in other words, I think what what uh, what Carol is saying is that um, uh, is that there's a uh, that there's a a mystery and an ineffability um, to God um, that um, uh, that when we you know when we when we get into conversations about like is God a thing or is God not a thing um, that um, that we risk um, diminishing uh, that um, that aspect of God that is beyond our ability to think about or comprehend, right? So in like the words of the Kaddish, Le'ela Mikol Shirat Ad, Le'ela Mikol, yeah, there it is, Le'ela Mikol Birkata Vishirata, right, for above uh, all uh, praise and song, right, um, that, that, that God sort of transcends our ability to talk about it. Um, and uh, Carol also said, empty and void can be a discussion of the notion of Tzimtzum, uh, which is a Kabbalistic notion that in order for the universe to come into being, God, uh, uh, this is where it gets really sort of like mind melody, but um, mind bendy, um, uh, but God is a um, is another way of of saying um, the uh, like <clears throat> like an infinite totality. But in order for something to come into being, that infinite totality has to actually contract into somethingness. And so the Kabbalists say that, uh, that that's how the world was created, was through an act of tzimtzum, of God contracting God's self, God limiting God's self in some way um, to make space for, for somethingness to come into being. That, that Right, right. So she says she uh, she um, uh, um, relates it to the artistic uh, the artistic idea of white space and dark space, right? So if if it's all white space, then there's then there's no thing on the page, right? If it's all dark space, there's no thing on the page. So in order for there to be something on the page, one of those things has to give way to something else. Yeah, um, that's Carol Rose. Yeah, yeah. Hi, Ema. Um, everyone says hi. Um, uh, all right, we're going to uh, stop here for this week. We'll um, pick up next week with the next midrash.